0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second Big
0: Comics Podcast, starring Mark Claire and Ramso Martinez.
2: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And shortly thereafter, Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. But it wasn't until many, 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 many years and decades later that we got a true year one, ground zero origin, detailed origin story or expanded origin story for Batman coming to us at us from Frank Miller to discuss that. Today, I've got my partner in comic book crime the ever-loving rambling man himself, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, how you feeling, buddy?
1: I am almost out of the woods of this cold. You know, it's hard being the second print nation, Kenny, in which I have gone through so many bumps and bruises and sicknesses and stuff. Half the time, people are just taking wage wagers over whether or not I will survive for the next episode. But haven't missed one yet, bitches. Haven't missed one yet.
2: No, you have not the streak continues. You actually have a a better streak than I, because I did miss one week that you valiantly filled in solo. So, uh, this guy has been through COVID. This guy has been through mystery illnesses. This guy's been through me bitching about audio echo and, uh, you know, dressing up as a Taliban. I mean, this guy's done it all. We do it all for you people, but luckily uh, I am producing today's episode. So you can hopefully talk a little bit less than, uh, last week. And, you know,
1: but now I have the perfect Christian male voice.
2: Rachel. Yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. You're actually in the, in the right spot for it. We should have, we should have swapped weeks. Once we found out the voice. So, you know, feel free to interject with a little Christian Bale Batman whenever you think it's appropriate. But uh, I had poor
1: man's Batman last week, so it's only appropriate. Now we go to the real Batman.
2: Yes. Now we're going to real Batman. And again, this is Batman year one. Uh, Basically, the the backstory of this in 1986 or so. This is uh, Denny O'Neill wrote a a introduction for this version of Batman year one. Uh, Basically, DC editorial got together and they were like, all right, uh, things are getting we're we're updating our heroes. You know, our, our our stories are getting more modern um we're gonna do this and that but we just we don't have any update to, to to give to batman like we don't need to make him really darker necessarily so what can we do here and they decided uh to bring on frank miller for a very short run on the main batman title to bring us batman year one uh basically just a a detailed chronicle of the first year that bruce wayne becomes the batman and this one uh is written by frank miller but the art is not by frank miller frank miller is of course as we discussed uh, i think the what's the let's see we did 300 and we did ronin were the two big frank miller books and he did he was he the artist on On Ronan? He he was not on 300.
1: Yeah, because that was one of the first ones that he really got to do on his own with his own unique style. He had done Wolverine before that, but this is really the first time that... Frank Miller was known for the Frank Miller
2: style. Uh, but for this one, Frank Miller opted to bring on another artist by the name of David Mazzucchelli. So uh, we will discuss his art and the writing of Frank Miller in this episode. So before we dive in, Remzo, what is your past experience? When did you first read this story? And I know you definitely read it before this one.
1: Oh, I've, I've read it. I've read it so many times. It's probably one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. Uh, I remember reading it right after watching uh, Batman Begins in theaters in 2005, and after that I was just so hooked. When I heard that Christopher Nolan looked at uh, Year One as the primary source material for Batman Begins, uh, immediately I had to go grab it. And I'm even a fan of the animated uh, Batman Year One film, which has Brian Cranston as commissioner Gordon and the guy who was the actor who played commissioner Gordon vo- in uh, Gotham voicing Bruce Wayne. It had an amazing cast. It's one of the better adaptions out there.
2: That's great casting. Cause like, Like this version of Commissioner Gordon specifically, I mean, he always looks kind of the same. But this version in this book really, really does look like like vintage Brian Cranston.
1: It's uncanny. I mean, it's one of those moments where like the casting is just, you know, a nail on the head. So, um, you know, I, I love it. It surprises me that, you know, this is one of those stories where it slips in and out of canon sometimes. A few years ago, they had Batman Year Zero. Um, which mm-hmm. tried to do this, but while it's definitely considered canon now, year zero that is, um, a lot of the real hardcore fans really look back to year one as, as being that fundamental basis for your definitive Batman. So I don't think you could be a Batman fan without having some respect for year one.
2: Yeah, year one has gone in and out of Canon. It was originally definitely in Canon. And then uh, we had crisis not long after that, which sh- shook things up. And of course, Canon has changed, you know, with a myriad of different crisis events over and over the years. And and now everything matters. Everything happened. So I guess it did happen in li- at least one one branch of the DC multiverse. In,
1: in my in my own personal head canon that matters to me, there is no Batman without year one. For sure.
2: That would be, I think we might have actually said this before, head canon would be a great name for a, for a podcast.
1: I'm trying to make it a word. I'm trying to make it a- thing
2: could be a segment it could be a segment on this program what's your headcanon on batman um yeah no this is as far as headcanon goes this is absolutely as as canon as it can be because this is such a great origin story and it definitely can work with any current iteration of batman you know you could always take this as a starting point for sure yeah and as a starting point, we shall take it because we start off in issue. Well, this is issue one of year one, but it's actually Batman number 404. And uh, we start off on January 4th, the beginning of the year, appropriately enough. And uh, we are in Gotham City and we're basically um, we're basically seeing at the same time um uh, commissioner gordon who's like moving into gotham to take uh, to take a job with the uh, gotham pd and at, at the same time bruce wayne is flying into gotham um after a 12 year uh, hiatus and we learn this from a series of i first of all they have like these co-narrations and this is kind of uh, an element that frank miller uses throughout the story where um you know uh, gordon is narrating you know narrating whatever's going on with him uh, Bruce Wayne is also narrating, and then sometimes these narrations just sort of cross over and collide with each other as they actually end up interacting in the real world. Um, I just want to address that right off the bat since since I'm talking about it already. What what do you think of Frank Miller's use of the the kind of the co-narrations here to sort of move along the story and, and interweave the tales of, of Bruce Gordon, Bruce Gordon, of uh, Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon? Because I think one thing that year one really solidifies and really um, helps make a lot of sense down the road for future Batman stuff is, is that relationship and the trust that develops between Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon
1: last week was probably a good contrast to this because of the, with those moon Knight issues that we covered, we got a very seventies vintage, um, you know, third-person narrator. So the narrator is there. He knows the story. He has a very clear and present voice, but the narrator is not one of the characters. He's not one of the inner monologues. The narrator is just there. Um,
2: He's Stanley, true believer. Yeah,
1: this is really a rejection of that. And it's around this area of the 80s where you see a lot of that narration slowly going away. It would creep back in the 90s, but this is really an era where a lot of writers and artists are like, you know, more art, less, less words. So to... Focus it on the inner monologues of Bruce Wayne and Commissioner Gordon. They're really trying to set up that personal relationship that really matters. I've always been a fan of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. If I remember correctly, Frankenstein was that way because you got the inner monologues of, um, you know, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, but you also had the inner monologues of the Frankenstein monster. And what it did was it allowed you to look into each man separately so you could understand the other better. And I think going of that tactic, um, you know, it's something that uh, influenced my writing a lot with with my second book, which was fiction. I tried to really pull that in each way. But I mean, Frank Miller really knew he was going for for this one. And I think what it does is it not only makes it just stand out as a story, but this is why people go back to this and they're like, this is canon. This this has to matter because Mm -hmm. we've never had a better fleshing out of the psyches of these characters ever after that.
2: Yeah, this is too good not to matter, not not to spoil our reviews at the end of this, but I think it's probably already pretty obvious that we're going to end up writing this fairly highly. Um, but yeah so we see we also get uh, another narrative feature that was used quite a bit around this time uh, both by Frank Miller and Alan Moore and this is what I always just call the news and that's where you see like a series of newscasts that are sort of updating you on things and this is effective too because you know a lot of this stuff you would never get from Bruce Wayne's uh, own head narrative in a a way that made sense you know they're recapping that Bruce Wayne has been gone for 12 years is just returning to Gotham uh, blah 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 he's just, just this 20 5 year old rich kid just just coming back from doing god knows what for the for the last 12 years or so um of course we know what he's been doing we know what he's been up to um let's see so basically and we also get we get some little some little snippets some little nuggets that kind of um you know help help build the story along the way like we hear that you know uh, we see elements of like harvey dent uh, existing as the um what is he the, the prosecutor he, he's the district attorney for? district attorney that's that's the word i'm looking for i'm not a legal man Remzo. i'm just a comic book guy just a simple man, and uh, yeah, that we see that um, Harvey Dent has recently uh, dropped charges against uh, this this commissioner, Commissioner Loeb. So we already know that there has been at least some kind of like rumors of corruption or or known corruption in Gotham, and we get that a from a lot of these little snippets along the way, uh, but also from you know diving right into the story where we see that Bruce Bruce Warden, uh, Bruce Warden, man, I'm really having trouble pronouncing these guys. Names oh tonight. my, Bruce Jim Gordon. I really want them to be one person, which maybe just speaks to the brilliance of the story because it really is their narratives interweave so much so that, that's what i'm going to chalk it up to not my complete schizophrenia uh but you yeah, have um jim gordon is partnered with this guy uh flass and uh flass is he's an asshole he's a piece of shit cop um he goes around beating people up he's a corrupt cop and right from the get-go gordon just like has it in for this guy and i, I really like this one line when when um her uh, flas is kind of harassing these these like street street thugs or whatever and beating up this one kid and uh gordon's narrative he says flas has had green beret training i can tell and he knows how to use his size i watch and i don't do a damn thing and i memorize every move next panel with a up close on gordon's eye for future reference which i just really love that from the beginning like they they show you that gordon is a no-nonsense motherfucker like he is not into this corruption shit and he he can detect bad seeds and not only that but he's not the kind of person who is going to like he is in this very moment kind of letting something bad go on but you can see from the beginning like he has his eye on the the corrupt people that are in power here and he is going to take them down and th- they tell you all of that with just that one panel which i just i just found really brilliant Uh, let's see. And we also get some snippets, like he's praying for some negative tests for Barbara. This is his wife, Barbara, not his daughter, Barbara, uh, at the time. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of going through this. Um, we're kind of, again, we're into this whole story of year one is interweaving between, uh, um, Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne. So we also kind of see, um, as we're proceeding through the months here, we go to February 21st, February 26th, Bruce Wayne is like just practicing karate basically at the mansion uh you know he's he's breaking bricks with his hand breaking trees with his legs um and and this stuff does tie in later like there's a specific panel where you see bruce wayne literally just kicking a tree in half and this ends up you know play this plays a part in the story going forward so he, frank miller and this is something frank miller miller is always great at is dropping little snippets uh, dropping even if it's just like a little panel here or a panel there or, or a, a, a line here or there everything matters in in frank miller stories
1: have you seen the the animated film of this
2: i have not man let me no, let me not. tell
1: you when i call it one of the better comic book adaptations in that scene of the tree it's almost better than the book
2: Is this an hbo max yes. can i get yes. this, that, that i think everything's there yes. now, right Okay. All right. Well, that's my long, long, long list of things that I, I say I'll watch that, that, Renzo recommends so that I, I Rarely get to. Um, let's see. Moving along here. Yeah, I have my last note. Bruce kicks down trees. Um, yeah. So basically, um, as the months go on here, there's one night where um, Gordon goes out and he gets beat up by a bunch of uh, flashes, flunkies. Um, he gets you know, and, and and this is kind of interweaving uh, with images of Bruce Wayne who is getting dressed up for his first night out. And what, what Bruce is now doing? He's not putting on a costume yet, really. I mean, he is putting on a costume, but really, he's just dressing up not as a billionaire. Like he's driving his like limo or whatever his fancy car is. I'm not sure. It's a black something or other. Uh, and he parks it somewhere, and he's just dressed in like normal dude clothes. And then he just puts some makeup on and gives himself a big scar on his face. So this is like this is the first iteration of like the Batman costume sort of it's his first attempt to go out and fight crime and all he does is like put on a little makeup um so then he goes into um while 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 jim gordon's getting beat up uh, Bruce wanders into the the Gotham City I guess red light district as you might want to call it so we have all the red light things happening you know there's there's petty crime all around and there is a uh, prostitution and this one little sh- prostitute who's like literally like 14 years old old um, is talking to Bruce Wayne she's like cheer you up and he's like I doubt it how old are you she's like as young as you want me to be this is kind of really fucked up actually um, Frank Miller considering how young this girl is yeah but, you know, he's he's you now he's setting this up for a reason. Like, this is why Bruce is doing this stuff, because there's some bad shit going on in Gotham. Someone's got to do yeah, something Chicago's
1: about it. a terrible um, I mean, Gotham, <laughs>
2: yeah, whatever it is now. Um, it, I don't know if you notice this, Remzo. I never made this connection before in my in, in my entire life. The name of this of this 14 year old prostitute, does it ring a bell? Her name is Holly. Ho- Holly. Are you making any connection from a, a recent writer of Batman? Oh, man. I'll fill in the gap for you. Remember Tom King's Batman run? There was this whole storyline that went like 50 issues or something. Oh,
1: yeah. That's 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 Falcone. Was it? I'm sorry. I'm getting all the all the Gotham gangsters. Was it Falcone
2: Moroni? This is Holly Robinson, who is was this was the one who Catwoman was in jail for or she was in Arkham Asylum for because she was like taking the rap for this Holly Robinson who like burned down something and killed, it, killed a bunch of people same one? that this is the same person Yeah. I now I now I make the connection now I realize Tom King was being I mean, it's kind of an intelligent connection. I just never made the connection. And now, and when I think back on that storyline, oh yeah, like, like Selena she, should like have let that her one. die
1: in the streets.
2: <laughs> yes. But Selena was always talking about how she took this Holly under her wings and was protective of her. And that's why she was um, taking the rap for her on that thing in Tom King's story. So yeah, that is absolutely, I, I'm positive. It's supposed to be this, this same Holly that's in the story. Who's also under wings. Yeah. I, I
1: always, I, I always assume that all these like Gotham or uh, Gotham orphans are always like six degrees. Of Carmine Falcone's kids or something. Yeah,
2: I think these are all ultimately connected to like because Flas is connected to these guys, and they're ultimately all connected to like the, the there's the Carmine Falcone crime family, there's the Roman guy crime family, but yeah, they're they're all interweaving here. It's all part of because Bruce Bruce's thing is like he's wanted he wants to take down all of it. He wants to take down literally all the crime. So he's starting at the petty level, but this is just his way to um, get his foot in the door and like work his way up the ladder, so to speak. As we'll see,
1: you gotta beat up some child prostitutes before you can take down mob Ma- yeah
2: exactly um so yeah so basically bruce ends up um, dressed up scarface bruce gets into it um with this guy uh who's like sort of abusing this holly chick and um gets into a fight with him and then Holly stabs Bruce in the freaking thigh. Um, ungrateful bitch. So Holly stabs Bruce and then Selena, who you can you see. So we meet Selena Kyle. She's this like prostitute that has and she has really short hair at this time, like a shaved head. She's up in the window. She's calling down. She sees what's going on. So she comes down to defend Holly, who is like, you know, she's kind of taken under her uh, tutelage, I guess you could say. Uh, so she comes down and she like tries to kick Bruce and he blocks her kick and punches her right in the face. <laughs> I haven't read this in, in many years. Like I, I kind of forgot about a lot of you gotta
1: stuff. give some you gotta take yeah, some. so
2: yeah so this is this is Bruce and so this is not quite Canon then see yeah I mean this is Canon but like you
1: also know this is the first time that they change Selena's race in the comics
2: what I can't even tell what is she, her race. she's in to be black her? in this one she's supposed to be. she's black supposed hair? to be black is she supposed to be black in the current comic? no not right?
1: currently but they change it because of
2: really I just thought she had short hair
1: she she does have short hair but she's also she does look it black. Okay. She she's black in this comic.
2: All right, so this is Halle Berry. This is Halle Berry. Yeah,
1: or a Kit if you want to go. Adam West, Batman, or as well, or as one of our fans said, this is me for the first time going. Um, actually, <laughs>
2: <laughs> actually, actually, yeah, we got a great review. Do you have those reviews in front of you, by the way? Yes, we got a great review I where I um, do. one of our. One of our fantastic new fans uh, said that we we are not. He's grateful that we are not one of those comic po- podcasts that comes across with that um actually vibe, which is very nice. Hi,
1: to and this is from Ed Lockman on on Apple. Really funny podcast. You can hear their love of comics come through without completely nerding out and um actuallying. So I'm sorry, <laughs> man, because it was in the back of my head. I had to go ahead and do it. By the way, when when are you ever going to hear? Somebody ever mentioned Earth Kitt Kit from Adam West Batman on a show. I might as well read the other one while we're here. This from Soupy yeah. twenty one. Check this out. Five stars. Easily my favorite comics podcast. Cannot recommend highly enough. It's because I've got random Earth the Kit knowledge.
2: Yes, that is uh that's our man Justin Campbell. I happened. happen to know Adam boy. boy continuing on here yeah but like this is bruce, bruce's first attempt to like break into the uh the criminal underworld is not going well he gets stabbed in the leg by a teenager he's got to fight this freaking other prostitute here and then the cops show up and they shoot bruce wayne in the neck and he's like oh shit oh shit no i can't let them take me in like and he's like you literally see him like blacking out and passing out and he does get it pass out and he wakes up And he's in the back of a police car. So this is all his first attempt to like fight crime. And it has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, However, though, Bruce is like kind of like talking to these cops and he's like uh he just says i warned you and they're like oh my god he and he breaks the handcuffs and and basically just like gets into it with these cops um ends up crashing the cop car he like i don't know if he i know he didn't break the cop's neck because he's not killing people but he like grabs this one cop, cop by the head and ends up crashing the car and like the, the the um yeah the police car goes up in smoke and it's a whole thing and bruce finally bloodily bloody bruce who's been shot in the neck uh stabbed in the leg makes it back to his car uh turns on the car meanwhile commissioner gordon and we go back to this interweaving narrative here. Um, Commissioner Gordon is uh, basically taking the call, and he's just like, "Man, and, oh!" And, and he asks, um, and he's on a call asking, actually, where this is unrelated, but they're kind of happening at the same time. Um, he's he's calling and saying, "Oh, Detective Flas, oh, he's off duty, Lieutenant, probably at the poker party over at Shoots, and with the guys." And Gordon just goes with the guys, and you see Gordon speed off. And as Gordon is driving, you know, apparently to maybe go confront Flas here. Um, he ends up basically bumping into bruce wayne like uh, like basically just driving right each other as bruce wayne is speeding home and we also see a commentary from someone else because like bruce wayne is a va- famous person and they're saying oh that's bruce wayne's car what's he on and this guy just comments cocaine rich people take cocaine saw a special on it <laughs> <laughs> that line just cracked me up um yeah so bruce races home and then gordon finds Flass. And um, he he follows him out of this like poker night, pulls his car over, basically force crashes his car, holds a gun at him, and then puts his gun down, tosses a bat to Flas, and fights him with his fists. So Gordon shit drops right there. Gordon is a freaking badass here. Uh, he, uh, like he even says, like um, he says, I show him my gun. He says my name and drops his. He's big. Green beret training. It's been 15 years since I had to take out a green beret. Even so, he deserves a handicap. And that's why he tosses him the bat. And a flash just comes at him. He's like, I don't crack his skull. I don't crush his larynx. I don't break his ribs or punch my hand through his chest. I do just enough to keep him out of the hospital. So Gordon beats the living fucking shit out of this guy. I, I love this scene so much. Because they just show you right, right away. Like Gordon's basically as badass as Batman. Like maybe he doesn't have all the ninja training and the money and the gadgets but he is keep beating the shit out of this guy who has a bat who he's given a bat to. He strips him naked and handcuffs him and fucking leaves him there. He basically just says he'll never report it, not flash. He'll make up some story that involves at least 10 attackers and never admit that I did it. So so Gordon is not only a badass, but he like he understands the psychology of people like this so much to know this guy is this corrupt cop who probably works for like mob guys and shit and he's not going to go saying that this one cop beat him up and left him in the woods. He's got him he's going to make up some shit. So he sends a message but also knows that it's not going to get out what happened. So it, it's just fucking awesome. And it really, it shows Bruce Wayne uh, not Bruce Wayne, there we go again, that Jim, Jim Gordon in, in some, in many ways it kind of shows the symbiotic relationship between Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne, because they are both in their own way, willing to go outside the rules of the system in order to, um, you know, pursue their, uh, their vision of justice, so to speak. Yeah, and he basically gets home and this is where we finally get the flashback like we the, the, I like that Frank Miller doesn't do a drawn out version of this. We only just get it in a couple panels, but we get the flashback of seeing Bruce Wayne's uh, parents killed um, by Joe Chill, I guess, depending on which continuity you're in. But they, they don't mention that here. I don't think this is before that even mattered or maybe Joe Chill was canon at this point. It's hard, it's hard to keep track of all that.
1: Nah, Tim Burton hasn't had time to fuck it up yet yeah
2: exactly um so yeah so we and then as uh, we go through that this in this moment um the bat flies through the window where where bruce wayne is and he, he just kind of like is, is doing his own narration here um without warning it comes crashing through the window of your study and mine i have seen it before somewhere it frightened me as a boy frightened me yes father i shall become a bat and he ring. this is where he grabs the bell and you just see one panel of him holding the bell and they, he mentions this earlier in his narration but that's Alfred's bell he's like I could ring this bell he's like I'm gonna die right now basically like Bruce Wayne is, is almost dead he's got he's bleeding from his thigh bleeding from his neck been in a car accident um, like things are not good he's gonna die if he just stays there so the only hope that he has is to ring Alfred and of course if he rings Alfred Alfred's gonna know what happened so and I, I like that like Frank Miller has is really good at, at telling us what happened showing us what happened without having to give us six issues to show us what happened so you know like, like for for example um we only had the one panel showing bruce wayne's parents get shot well that's cool we already know that happened and we obviously already know that alfred ends up knowing who batman is and you know becoming part of the whole thing so we don't need to see that whole process we just get the one panel which shows him ringing the bell and then we know what happens there we know that is what when alfred comes up sees bruce near death saves him and of course lead, you know becomes his, his partner in the whole thing so um what do you just think first of all uh, of just this first issue this first foray of frank miller into the uh, the first year of batman
1: i mean if you're not I don't know what's wrong with you, but what I really appreciate is the art here is very subdued, especially for a book that contains so much action. Um, Usually I criticize overuse of text, monologues, what have you. But I mean, the, the balance here is perfect. And strangely enough, it's probably, while it's not Frank Miller's best work when you compare it to the other things he's done, I it's personally one of my favorites because it's one of the few times where it really feels like a comic book without, you know, a lot of his other eccentricities and stuff like you see if like the Dark Knight returns and stuff like that. Like this is it
2: without the bells and whistles.
1: This is a standard comic book taken seriously. And because of that, it's beautiful
2: indeed beautiful indeed all right so we move in now to batman number 405 and uh we start off commissioner gordon is on the way to a crime scene uh where this guy albert bloom is uh holding some people i think he's holding like i think it's his family that he's holding hostage basically he's this guy that escaped from arkham i think this is the first reference well not first ever but in canon i guess reference to to arkham asylum and uh, at the end of the day gordon just goes in there again this is like his thing goes up drops his gun to like show the um show that he's you now coming in there unarmed, and and. Meanwhile, Barbara is watching on TV. Barbara, who you can clearly, clearly see is pregnant, who we know is pregnant with the future Batgirl, Barbara Gordon. Um, and he goes up the stairs, walks right in. The guy's pointing his gun at him. Oh,
1: I don't know if I should correct you. Oh, go ahead. Well, um, actu- actually,
2: <laughs>
1: actually, um, actually, me. I um, just made actually, that so it's Barbara's older brother, James Jr. Oh.
2: I didn't even know that was a person that existed.
1: Oh, he's a serial killer
2: actually okay. if we want to get into it but. actually actually <laughs> just, yeah now now we're gonna do it all the time now, now we've got one guy that <laughs> now we are gonna be those guys look look, look look what's happened here um but actually uh jim gordon then goes up and just walks right up the stairs and the guy the guy's kind of nuts you know he's just saying no lunch no lunch and jim just goes i'll order out <laughs> and the guy's like said no lunch no gangrene lunch and and Bruce just and Gordon just goes, I know, I know, and he and the guy's pointing a gun right at his head. This guy has balls of steel. Like like they really m- build up the character of Jim Gordon here. Uh, like this is much, this is as much Batman Year One as it is Jim Gordon Year One. I, I I gotta say, even maybe even more so, you could argue this is more a Jim Gordon story than a Batman story. Uh, but Jim just walks right up, doesn't stop moving disarms him <laughs> like punches him in the face and you know and saves the day so jim gordon is like he's the best freaking like detective best freaking cop that exists on this squad and he's he's making waves uh with the good people and the bad people so the press loves him you know he's like a press darling uh but you know the people above him especially this flask character obviously uh, for, for his own reasons as well they're not they're not exactly very happy with him Um, so yeah, they just continue to, we just see like as April goes by, um, Gordon is kind of getting the attention of the commissioner and, um, yeah, and he's, he, and this is where we kind of learn um, it's kind of implied throughout that the commissioner is sort of corrupt and is working with, uh, with flas and has his own guys kind of within, in the department that are, are sort of on his side. Um, but he's got his, he's got his, he's got his eye on Gordon. Let's put it that way and uh and meanwhile let's see um yeah, F- flas actually recounts uh, his own there's a funny scene here where flas recounts his own encounter with batman but he makes it out like oh yeah I was, I was i was busting up this cocaine deal but when we actually see what's happening and obviously we know he's corrupt he's like in, as part of the cocaine deal uh but he is describing his encounter with the batman because now that through the various news reports and such we hear like reports of this batman character um who's who's of course bruce wayne donning this this bat mantle and, and going out and continuing to do his thing um so yeah as the months go on there's just you know reports of the batman while jim gordon continues to move up the ladder uh batman one night out he these petty thieves are uh like stealing tvs or i think those are record players actually and on this balcony and he goes jumps down like kicks their asses but the one guy gets knocked over the balcony and bruce batman grabs him holds his ankle meanwhile this other guy is about to like kicks him in the face and another guy is like about to like it's sl- not about to like he does uh slam him in the back of the head with the tv um so now bruce is kind of getting his ass kicked by these guys while still holding on to the the, or, the original guy that fell over so like th- again You learn so much about the characters through, through so little, through just a very simple scene here. You see that Bruce is a, a badass, like, but also that, that this is not perfect. Like he's making mistakes in the beginning. He's making big mistakes, mistakes that can almost cost lives that could cost his own life. Um, he's kind of getting his ass kicked here a little bit, mostly because he's trying to save the one guy.
1: This is one of the few times where it's like, you really remember that while Batman is a superhero, he has no superpowers.
2: Exactly. I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as Batfleck would say uh, but yeah other than being rich he has no superpowers and the, they are not helping him in this situation but uh, he eventually does overcome um, kicks their asses pulls the guy over back over the, uh, the, the, the the balcony and just collapses with these three dudes like knocked out on the balcony I fucking love this scene so much for, for like seven different reasons uh, do, you have, do you have any specific thoughts about the specific scene because it's one of my favorites
1: I, I mean I, it, it's one of the few times where you actually see Batman struggling to win and he's not going up against the Joker he's not going up against you know some type of superpowered guy or whatever this is like gangbangers versus batman and batman is struggling to live so while this is yeah. definitely one of those moments where it's like man he really fucking sucks right now it's also one of those moments that reminds you that you know even though we're in the realm of fiction where we're dealing with these larger than life alpha characters sometimes you know while they're trying to ground it in reality the reality is you don't just become a badass overnight because you got some yeah. training
2: Um, So moving on, we are now into the month of May and uh, I like I like that they always kind of update us with the actual dates here so now we're on May 15 so it really gives you a sense of like how much time is moving on quite quite specifically here and Gordon he's clearly like the superstar now he's because so there's another scene I didn't mention when he first comes in and is talking to Commissioner Loeb he goes to pull out a cigarette and the Commissioner's like don't smoke that here and he's like puts it away and now Commissioner uh, not Commissioner but not yet but Jim Gordon is leading this meeting about Batman and he's just smoking away like so you can clearly see how his, his status has changed like he can get away with smoking now and uh, also this flash guy is in there and it, this is may so this is like i think this is three months later and he's got the neck brace on so they're still showing he is still reeling from getting the shit beat out of him uh by jim gordon here um and oh, actually I, I i skipped ahead earlier this is where flash recounts his meeting of the batman or what what have you um so flash knows he's real and, um, you know this so this whole this whole basically Gordon has been put in charge of, of the Batman case here because Batman has committed a, I think he says like 78 acts of assault in the last like three months or something like that so uh, while Gordon is sort of a, a renegade of his own he is also the one tasked uh, charged with the task of tracking down this other renegade who is you know serving justice in his own way as well uh, we then get a scene here this is when we meet um uh carmine Falcone and he is on the phone with someone who I believe is the commissioner I think they're making it they don't really show you but we we kind of know and um yeah they're basically talking about this gordon guy coming up they talk about the batman uh, but as this is going on we see batman uh he's doing something outside here and in the end he ends up busting up this this carmine Falcone party he like gases the place and comes in and basically just uh he basically just serves a warning to them he comes in and says ladies gentlemen you have eaten well and i like how they show this one butler this the one frame of this butler like he's he's he, he's holding this um you know this a, a lid of like this um this flame that is like, I don't know. And he just he just puts it back on while uh, Batman says, you've eaten you've eaten Gotham's wealth. It's spirit. Your feast is nearly over from this moment on. None of you are safe. And so Batman has laid out his warning. He is done with just the street level crime. Now he is going to the heads of the crime families and straight up telling them what's going what's going down. So he's really he's got a lot ballsier here as, as the months go on here. Um, Oh, yeah. And his line, he, he says from, yeah, I just said that from this moment on, none of you are safe um and yeah batman's just working his way up the food chain um then now commissioner gordon is like now setting traps for batman essentially he's like so we see this one uh detective essen who we'll, we'll learn more about in a bit she is basically pretending to be a damsel in distress while a, a cop comes and like and acts like he's gonna go after her and batman is there watching and he knows it's a trap he's like all right another one of these these traps here um so he's bruce wayne is, is too smart for these traps he, he knows what's going on here he only busts up the real crimes because he's that damn smart. Um, we also see an interesting scene here where um, Jim Gordon is talking to Harvey Dent. Also along the way, like this other guy, uh, this other mob boss that we're in June now, the Roman has been found like tied up and like his, his car was taken. Like Batman is just sending like little warnings while he's busting up a lot of street crime. He's sending just more big time warnings to the the bosses of these things. And Jim Gordon is in there, is in talking to Harvey Dent. And he actually, we learn later because when he's in the car with Essen, that he suspects Harvey Dent as someone who could be Batman because he has sort of that You know, that same panache, uh, that same desire for justice. But he's like, I don't know. Harvey Dent couldn't do the kind of fighting that Batman does. Uh, But we see when Commissioner Gordon is is in there, uh, after he leaves the room, Harvey Dent uh, looks over his shoulder and says, you you can come out now. And we see Batman behind Harvey Dent's desk. So we also learn that before there was a relationship there with with Gordon and Batman, that Batman was actually working with Harvey Dent behind the scenes. And they, they never really show you how how that came about in here, but we, because this is not from his point of view, this is from the point of view uh, of Jim Gordon, really mostly, even though we go back between the narratives, most of this, this story really is from, from Gordon's point of view for the most part. Um, so yeah, th- that part was the one thing that I did kind of think like, I guess I could have seen more about something more, unless I just missed it, but I don't think I did um, some, some more detail about how, you know, how Batman began working with Harvey Dent behind the scenes. Cause you're supposed
1: to just kind of take it on a whim. It's like one of those, accept the mystery moments.
2: Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, they're taking us through a year and four issues. So, you know, you're not going to see everything. You're just going to see sort of the progression of events. Um, meanwhile, um, Gordon is in the car with this detective Essen, and this is the first time that she brings up Bruce Wayne. She's like someone that he, cause he's like, you know, it could be dent, but he doesn't have the money for this. Like you need an arsenal. Like this guy has an arsenal of weapons. And he says, she says money. Well, Bruce Wayne is the richest man in Gotham and being from out of town, you might not know this, but his parents were murdered by a mugger. I think he was just a little boy at the time, and that, and then Gordon says, um, somewhat foreshadowingly, "I could kiss you, Essen." Uh, so now Gordon also has sort of something on his mind that you know it could be Bruce Wayne. Meanwhile, this is right just as this is happening. Uh, there's this truck that like just drives by and um and like cuts off gordon's car and we also see batman at this time who is uh, you know probably just coming out of harvey dent's office this is all all happening right after that meeting and this guy is just driving this truck like like crazy gordon's like oh he's probably maybe he's on the maybe he's on pills maybe it's a heart attack but either way he's about to run over this like homeless homeless lady in the street and essence crying out like lieutenant he's like take the wheel and they they they, their their car crashes um and as uh as this and he, he gets out and tries to stop this truck from from hitting this lady um But at the end, it is actually... Gordon is, like, hanging from the truck, by the way. He jumps on the truck, and while it's still driving, he has his arm reaching in, trying to, like, stop the driver. It's crazy. It's like, again with all these events, you see the parallels of like, like George, Jim Gordon is pretty much as impressive as ba- as Batman is in terms of what he's willing to do. Um, what is how he's willing to risk his, his life just to save someone innocent. And at the same time, Batman is the one that comes out and jumps and saves this lady, which Gordon sees. And, you know, in this sort of aftermath here, like Gordon gets knocked out. And when he wakes up, he sees that Essen has a gun on Batman. Um, and, but, but, you know, Gordon knows what happened. You know, I, I don't think she does cause she was in the middle of, of like driving the car. And she's saying, I called for backup." Batman goes after her just to disarm her. He says, stop or all. And, and, and Gordon's like pointing at him. But again, this is when the cops show up and, um, and then Bruce running away as Bruce is running away or Batman, I should say, whatever. Uh, he gets shot in the back of the leg. So again, this is like, like he is having, while he is kicking some asses, as Batman, like bad shit is happening to him along the way. Like this is the second fucking time he has been shot, uh, in his first, you know, three or four months as Batman here. Um, and, Uh, as Batman is running away. let's see. Yeah. Batman basically at the end, Batman gets away. He's shot in the leg. And, uh, this detective Brandon, who is like, um, he's kind of like the commissioner's go-to guy now, since Flash is, is basically useless. Now he's like his, his, his main man on the force. Uh, he calls in a helicopter and they blow up the freaking building that Batman ran into. Um, so these guys are obviously to commissioner Gordon, not commissioner. I keep calling him that he's not a commissioner yet to Jim Gordon's a uh, chagrin. He's like, what the fuck? They just blew this building that up. Sounds like and excessive the force. Issue, a little bit, yeah. And we, we end this issue as uh, we just see these guys searching, basically searching the, the rubble of this building uh, for Batman. So what are your thoughts as we wrap up the second
1: um the, the stakes are definitely higher. Uh, by this also being the first appearance of Batman in costume, it, it's just one of those things where it's like they're really trying to solidify that. He had to crawl before he could run and really actually start being a hero. While we're still definitely in the beginning stages, I mean, it just kind of shows you that Bruce really did Put some thought into it while he can't anticipate getting shot and stabbed and beaten by hookers and all that stuff, like you know it's it, i I like the fact that unlike many other superheroes we're we're getting to see that longer build up period. I don't think Batman could have ever started like this. I'm not saying that every other hero should start like this, but when you're almost fifty years into the canology of Batman in detective comics and everything. I think what was great about this and what's going to be great about the Dark Knight Returns after this is that this really kind of shows you what makes Batman such a fascinating character. It's that, you know, before there was the bat, there was the man and his name was Bruce frickin Wayne.
2: Indeed, indeed. And uh, we continue with the story of Bruce Wayne here in Batman number four oh six and Batman is in this burning building he's he's like fallen down um, he's a voice he's, he's avoiding uh, avoiding little like shards of flame like a part of his belt gets blown up at one point um, he ends up picking a lock because he's a master locksmith apparently and has a lock pick on him um, to go into this you know, this kind of hidden room of this building so he's basically hiding out within like a sub basement of this burning building that everyone is searching for him in um, we also see uh, this is June 7th by the way moving on and we see uh, Selena Kyle again who is in this room uh, with uh, with Holly and with like a billion cats around her because she is of course a freaking cat lady she has lots of cats and uh, basically Holly says like hey uh, there's there's these explosions outside and and um, and Selena's like Christ there's it's not even light out it's five in the morning and she's like hey I'm being serious things are blowing up over by Robinson Park um, and he says well maybe Brandon's cornered a jaywalker of course they know Brandon because all these cops use all these prostitutes so, like this is a very you know corrupt, corrupt you place. wonder why rents and Gotham
1: City is only $100 a month. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. yeah. In the end, like they figure out that there's something going on with this Batman character who they've kind of had their eyes on and they know that he is cleaning up a lot of the street crime. So um, essentially Selena decides she's going to go help out the Batman here. Um, So yeah, she basically gets <laughs> starts feeding her cats and says, all right, I'll grab my uh, grab your coat. Let's go. They're going to go help the Batman somehow. Um, And yeah, basically Batman is a real tricky bastard. He's basically like hiding out in this room and also like hiding from the cops Um, at the same time. And at one point he, is able to like he like throws this gas canister down at them and uh basically he's really good at like sort of outsmarting these cops that are even while he's in this um confined space uh without ever like killing any of them too because that's you know that's his thing he don't want to kill nobody oh unless you're fucking tom king and you want to do a joker riddler war and drive me crazy with that but we're not gonna go there we're not gonna go there i um Mm -hmm. yeah uh, he also like hits um hits these cops with like this dart gun and now there's this cat that's showing up and and at one point i think it's i don't know which cop it was i can't tell if it's brandon or one of the other cops like tries to shoot the cat and and bruce is like not not having that not having that shit at all don't fuck with cats yeah i mean basically most of this issue is just it's it's just Batman kind of like playing cat and mouse, so to speak, I guess you could say, uh, with these cops, uh, throughout this like building as it's burning down, as they're, as they're seeking him out, as he's doing things like hitting them with dart guns and, um, and evading them. And yeah, and Batman actually like saves this cat. who is of course one of Selena's cats, uh, saves this cat from being shot by, uh, by these cops. And, um, uh, also and uh, yeah um gordon's one of gordon's partners who we see a lot um merkel i don't know if he's one of the partners but he, he gets mentioned a lot he gets shot uh in the whole melee he's actually shot by the cops they're shooting at batman so he's like you freaking maniacs like this is insane like you're chopping buildings on the on the to try to kill this guy you're shooting other cops like this has gone nuts just to, over this one guy um and yeah basically in the end these cops are coming for batman and this is where he kicks out this one column and like basically the whole building comes down and everyone disperses and this is like how batman kind of gets away he, he basically punts I, I don't know if this is Brandon or one of just one of the other cops, but he punches this one cop right in the gut, and he's like, "Oh, you're the one that tried to shoot the cat." So like, there's a little like John uh, John Wick style uh, stuff of justice here, where like you can sit, tell Bruce has it in even more for this guy because he tried to shoot the fucking cat. He's like, "No, you. I'm not just gonna run away. I'm also gonna punch you in the stomach and throw you out of the building uh, on my way out." Um, so yeah, and then Bruce is just fighting his way. So this is the, the callback to that beginning um, scene where he kicks the tree. Is it, this is the, basically the same panel essentially art wise when he kicks out this column that helps him. Um, Get away, and he's just he's just kicking cops' asses. all in self defense. Oh, and there was there was something that happened before this. I, I didn't reference, but he basically did have something some device on him that helps him like call bats or something like that. The bats were drawn to. So as he's escaping, it's,
1: it's the, it's the sonar signal, the sonar signal.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So as he's, as he's like fighting these cops, all these bats come down. And um, then, um, so they're like all just like going around all these people here and all the cops. And then Bruce gets on a motorcycle. Um, and he basically uh, somehow he has the bats follow him. So they're following this cloud of bats, but then by the time they catch up to the cloud of bats, Bruce is gone. So he's already taken off and just sent somehow sent the bats going still. And this one, one cop car just like flies off the dock. Cause it was following the pets off the dock uh, into the, um, I don't know. It's Gotham on the ocean. Maybe into, I don't think it's on the ocean. I don't know where Gotham is. I still can't figure it out. It's different in every, every cannon. And every, uh, yeah.
1: It, it felt so weird watching Superman versus Batman, Donna justice, knowing that like metropolis and Gotham are only like a bridge away from each other.
2: Well, yeah. I th- didn't we look it up in one episode? Yeah. I think it's like, they're like Baltimore and DC basically. Yeah. So that kind of is, yeah. I mean, they're close. Or, or enough, Boston, which actually doesn't make some sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, or, or, uh, or Jersey and, and New York. I mean, it's but just, in, it's in just the Christopher weird.
2: Nolan films, I think they're like clearly in New York. So it just, it just depends.
1: Yeah. And, and Gotham is more of like an Island. Yeah. Like yeah. you've got to cross a bridge to leave Gotham. Well, it's like Manhattan. Which is, Manhattan,
2: basically. Yeah. Anyway, it's wherever you want it to be. At any, Gotham any given moment. is in your heart exactly the real Gotham are the friends we made along the way um, yeah and then uh, so yeah um, after so basically Bruce gets away here and uh, like Brandon ends up in the hospital like Bruce just fucked up all these cops but it wasn't self defense the entire time was self defense because all he ever did in this thing was save an old lady get shot by Essen, and then run away from cops or not he didn't get shot by Essen. he got shot by these other cops uh, and then like run away like that's all he ever did and then fight his way out from being having a bomb dropped on him and being shot at by a bunch of cops so like he he is completely justified uh, self-defense wise in, in this whole thing you
1: yeah me. your qualified immunity ends where bat justice begins yeah
2: there's also like there's one there's one panel here one statement that i'm not sure i i think it might be a reference to but they basically it's kind of like in the in the one like in like the recap of everything that's been happening they say oh there was a uh, the owner of a nearby men's store opened up his shop four hours later to find a three-piece suit missing and pavement for it sitting in the cash register i I'm wondering, is this supposed to be Harvey Dent buying his like t- two-faced suit?
1: No, because that won't come till that that won't come till way later.
2: Okay. Well then I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah. I, I actually, I do know who it is. I could tell you. Tell do me. You want me. Do you want me to tell you? It's the Joker.
2: Oh, that makes sense. Okay.
1: Because it will tie in at the very end of this. Yes. yes.
2: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well, it's nice of the joke. Early Joker to pay for the suit. At least it's good to know.
1: It's a weird joke. Yeah. <laughs> why would, why would you quote steal what you're also gonna pay for?
2: It sounds like a riddle. It sounds like a riddler Ooh. riddler riddle. Ooh yeah yeah then we move on to uh to June ninth here and uh gordon is still he still strongly sube- suspects uh bruce Wayne and he's he's been talking he's been really investigating this with Essen. F- he's saying Essen informed me that Wayne's parents were murdered by a mugger and he was six. That's enough motive, I suppose, to make a man dress like Dracula and assault criminals and save cats uh, so he also saw, saw him saving the cat so he's like he like knows that Batman's a good guy instinctually here. He says Wayne's butler informed me that his boss has been skiing in Switzerland for six weeks uh, and also that that he Injured his leg when he was skiing. Of course he did because he has to have an explanation for being shot in the leg. Which of course Gordon knows that he got shot in the leg. So it's clear like Gordon is very easily catching on to the fact that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But he, you know, he's he's also not really trying to prove it either. Because after after what just happened with the old lady and him seeing the cops go after him, Gordon knows like this is my guy. Like this is the guy on my side. There's Even no though I'm working for the police, bringing
1: him in. There's exactly. there's bigger things to worry about.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So like Gordon is still technically on the case of Batman, and he hit trying to figure out his identity, but he's also sort of like he's not really zealously going after him either. He's definitely like developed that respect with him at this point. Um let's see. And yeah, this is also when we learn that um Gordon ends up having an affair with uh with Essen here. Um and at the same time Selena decides to she beats the shit out of her um Stan, who is like their pimp basically, and takes Holly and they're they're out. They're they're changing the line of work. She says, I've got an idea. So Selena's gonna go into a different line of work. Um I don't know. Only if, fans. If theft. Is theft more, more honorable than prostitution? Because, you know, in the end of the day, one of these is consensual still, although maybe not in in their case when they're kind of like being held by this, uh, this mean pimp. So it's it's not clear. well, well,
1: well, Well, why are the pimps always mean?
2: Well, this one was actually mean, <laughs> so oh, <yeah. laughs> I, I'm not trying to look, I am the first one who's not going to try to paint a broad brush on the pimps. You know me, I'll, I'll I defended def- drug dealers in the fourth episode of this show. So, you know, where my stance, I'll, is.
1: I'll defend, I'll, I'll defend the pimps. I don't know how a pimp is different than a, than a boss at a nine to five. Sometimes they can both <sighs> equally yell at you, threaten you, and then tell you they're the only thing good for you.
2: The only difference is the product they're selling at the end yeah. of the day. Which say. is so weird
1: And you know I don't want to wane philosophical But why is it It's it, You know When you give it away for free It's fine It's when you can't get taxed on it That's suddenly a crime I think that uh, Bruce Wayne Should have gotten into politics Maybe I don't know
2: Perhaps <laughs> uh, they, 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 Someone should do a storyline Where Bruce Wayne Becomes the mayor of Gotham I'm surprised Hasn't been done yet Hasn't that been done yet has that not been done yet <sighs>
1: I mean, if you want to count Adam West, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think I want to talk about defending the the legality of prostitution. We should probably move on. Now
2: we'll, let's move on from that one. I agree. Um, we also see uh, Stan we're, we're now in August. Is a
1: bad dude.
2: <laughs> we're now in August. Yeah, Stan is a bad guy. We'd like to be clear. Um, and uh, yeah, so we actually see Selena now suiting up in the cat suit for the first time as well. So we also see the uh, the parallels to. We see really through this story how Jim Gordon primarily is so essential to to Batman as a character, but uh, they're almost symbiotic in their relationship. But that also we see Catwoman sort of emerging at the same time and her story, you know, they all ride along the same storyline that's going on here, essentially. Um, So, yeah, Selena is, is, is riding out as Catwoman and we end this issue as Jim Gordon is sitting in his bed holding a gun i don't think he's kind of playing suicide but you know you could you could take that here cuz he is holding a gun in his hand uh while his wife his pregnant wife sleeps who is not pregnant with barbara as i originally thought thank you mr actually and uh he's just pondering batman and pondering the fact that he's having an affair while his pregnant wife sleeps as we end up up issue uh three of batman year 1 what do you think Remzo? as we head into the finale here
1: shit's gone wild what i like it's about this wild. is each ep- is each oh my god i almost did oh, it oh you got oh, the disease oh my gosh no no, anyway,
2: mm-hmm. happens to the best of us.
1: Every issue has escalating anticipation, and it's building that suspense, and I absolutely love it.
2: All right, so we now we dive into Batman Batman number 407. We are now in the month of September. Um Commissioner Gordon is still having an affair. But you can see he's like, he's, he's, he's having the fair, he's also kind of calling it off with Essen. Um, they're like at this diner,
1: he's got to hit it one more time.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's like, you know, you should take this bracelet. I'm, I'm sure your wife would like it. And she's like, he's like, no, keep it. Uh, he's like, well, you know, he's like, yeah, I know you're right. Like, I just want to know if your wife wasn't pregnant, would you? And she's like, I- I'm sorry, that's not fair. So, yeah, he, he's breaking it off. So he had his moment when he was just in the heat of the Batman stuff and ended up having this affair. But he's doing the uh, the right thing, I guess you could say, as right as you can do when you when you've done such a wrong. And then just sort of trying to own up to the whole thing. Be got uh, but- taught. But as you mentioned, not before he gets one night, one more night, because then, because the <laughs> then on September seventh, we'd see him uh, making out with Essen again. So yeah, he hasn't quite totally called it off just yet.
1: I just don't know how to quit you
2: there is this guy that who's like this undercover or no he's um he's this criminal named jeff jefferson skeevers um and um basically this guy was they set bail for this guy and dent did not argue the bail and we learned from a conversation with with gordon and and the commissioner i think that's the commissioner maybe that's not the commissioner i can't tell There's, there's yeah. So he, and Gordon is just pissed off. He's like, I know you're on the, I know you're not on the take and I don't think you're crazy. Tell me why you let this skeevers guy on the street. dent. Oh yeah, it's Dent. He's talking to And he's like, I know how you feel, Lieutenant. Would you like to borrow my umbrella? And, and basically they, they, they're having this conversation while Batman is hanging on the wall outside listening, because as we know, he's, he's, he's Harvey Dent's buddy. Um, have they ever, has there ever been anyone that kind of went more into detail of, of that that part of the backstory? I'm sure someone has along the way, but I've, I've never seen it.
1: So here, here I'm going to tell you, like, the order of which these stories will happen. And so far, this has not been something that DC has tried to refute. You've got Batman year one, you've got Batman year two, and then you've got Batman the Long
2: Halloween. Now, all I've of read those... the Long Halloween. I've not read year two
1: so year two is worthless It almost year two is basically one of those things where it's like you don't have to read it you could just skip to the long halloween but the long Halloween goes straight into it. The Batman year two was actually, um, Tom McFarlane's first crack at Batman and no one liked it. So they were just like, you know, we're going to basically just put this away and not talk about it.
2: At the end of the day. Oh no, I'm sorry. I I went another day. This is one day. Jim is, is arguing with, um, with dent about the skeevers guy, letting him go, but it's because skeevers is going to testify. Um, I think against like, against Flass, against the commissioner, maybe against Carmine Falcone. So that's why this Skeever's character... Or, or they want him to, I guess. They're, they're trying to convince him. He's
1: Takeshi 6 9 ine he's, he's about to squeal on
2: everybody. So uh, Batman, so basically the Skeever's guy is, is in this hotel room um, talking to, I think I think it's his lawyer, and the lawyer's like, look, you say one word about flask and they'll kill both of us Skeever's. Now take that thing out of your nose and listen to me, because he's just blowing lines of cocaine here. He's like, this, this line, you could never have this line. Even if it's just supposed to show a sign of the times, you could never have this line in a modern book. But she says, where, where do I start? Well, it's bad enough that you're black. <laughs> <laughs> then, then she says, I want you in a blue suit at the inquest. Like you, that just could not be in a book in, in 2021 from DC comics. Uh, I want you in a blue suit at the inquest with a tie, make it black. Same for the shoes. None of that pimp stuff. Just like, don't wear your pimp gear. Um, And, and <laughs> I,
1: I can't, I can't get too into it, but I was, I was filing a, a suit against a former employer a while <laughs> back. And I thought about throwing on discrimination grounds. And my also, lawyer, I'm Puerto
2: Rican. And that yeah, well, well
1: my lawyer this. was like, I don't think you're going to get through court very well, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Because you sound too white," and I'm like, "How dare you!"
2: <laughs> this is basically the inverse of that. You know, lawyers yeah, got to it's,
1: it's very, it's very realistic. I'll give it that. <laughs> It's Lawyers go past the bullshit.
2: <laughs> it's funny the timing of this. This actually reminds me the same yesterday when I was re- prepping for this episode on that same day. My wife had never seen it before. We watched the last episode of Seinfeld. I don't know if you've ever seen the last episode of Seinfeld, but this is oh, this baby. really reminded me of a scene where Jackie Childs is in there telling like Jerry, he should wear this different tie and telling them how they all need to dress different. And then Kramer's like, how do I look? He's like, you always look fantastic, Mr. Kramer. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so fucking funny. Um, so anyway, Batman, uh, after Skeever's done talking to his lawyer, lawyer leaves and Batman uh, breaks in and beats the shit at like really like, skeevers eyes are red and popping out of his freaking eyeballs and the lawyers like are you all right and he's like uh, yeah, yeah I'm fine <laughs> he's like all right better lay off that coke and she just she just leaves meanwhile um, and Batman says like you can never escape me bullets don't harm me nothing harms me but I know pain I know pain sometimes I share it with someone like you. So while Batman does not kill, he's willing to kick some ass and he's willing to make, you know, put people in pain just like commissioner Gordon. They're, they're very, very similar in their approach to everything. Uh, next on September 12th, the very next day, magically skeevers is there and he wants to talk to Harvey Dent. He wants to cop a plea. So now we can see the big picture that Harvey Dent let skeevers out of jail because he's working with Batman and he knew he was working with Batman coordinating with him to go and uh, you know, basically rough up skeevers. So dent is like, I guess, technically corrupt, you know, he's going outside the law, but he's on the similar path as like Gordon and Batman. They're, they're basically three rebels of the system that they work within the system while well, Batman doesn't work within the system. But, you know, Gordon and Dent both work within the system, but they very much break the rules and they very much both end up in one way or another working with Batman uh, to bring down the crime. So I just love how this this lays the groundwork for so many characters here, too. And especially, you know, knowing what becomes of Harvey Dent, it really does a lot to show you that he was really, was a good guy before, before things went to so to speak. Um, uh, he was really much a good guy, very much in, in the same vein as, uh, as, as, um, Batman and as Jim Gordon.
1: Yeah. It makes it more tragic.
2: Yes. Um, moving on here. So, um, basically, uh, the commissioner is now, um, he's now, he calls Gordon into his office and he ends up basically, uh, threatening him, um, about his affair with Essen, which he sort of called off, but then he made out with her like a couple days later. So, and, and Gordon just like freaks out cause he's got, they've got pictures of it. And this is when Gordon realized like, Oh, I'm in a fucking trap here. Like I'm, a, I'm about to take these fuckers down and they got me in a bind here. So Gordon being the freaking swell guy, he is, uh, well, first he goes to, we're, now we're September 25th and Gordon goes to meet with Bruce Wayne, um, who is like hanging out with this like foreign lady and just, he's kind of like acting like an arrogant prick and, um, and just he's like, oh no, I've heard you want to think I'm Batman. That's like hilarious. No, I've been skiing in the Alps and, and all this stuff, you know, and Gordon leaves here and he's like, yeah, that's fuck. He, he he's talking to his wife now who it's kind of weird. He brought his wife on this like thing to go meet with with, uh, Bruce Wayne to see if he's Batman, but this you know, is why like
1: cops don't have long marriages. It seems. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, but, but as they're leaving, Um, and and gordon's kind of onto it and she's like i don't know he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy that would be batman he's a pig and he's like well he's acting like a pig that's for sure but any man who'd wear a cape and it's a cape not wings i've seen it anybody who'd wear a cape and hunt criminals might go pretty far to keep his secrets secrets damn it all and then he pulls over and she's like jim why are you stopping and he says honey there's something we have to talk about and then again you don't need to see what happens next because you know what happens next. So I loved it. I just love how Frank Miller is always able to tell us what happened. He's been able to paint a scene in our minds of something without actually having to show us. He just has to show us this one panel of Gordon saying, honey, there's something we have to talk about. And you know, he then had to tell her what was going on, um, which we had to do well, a for moral reasons anyway, but also because this, this disarmed the one piece of ammunition that they had against him, uh, threatening him with this affair. So he just took that out of their you know, Rolodex at, at the same time. So, um, served a couple of purposes. There. Um, let's see. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah. Then we see. We also, as we go through, we're in like October now, and um, you know, go, um, Jim's wife is getting calls, and then like she, they show her just saying, "Yes, sir. Yes, I know about Sergeant Essen. Please don't bother me again." Like so she's she she just knows it, and is, and kind of going along with it now. Now that he's confessed and everything, and she understands why he confessed. What a freaking great wife, by the way, sticking by his side through. She wants all that this pension. Shit. She wants that, that police pension for sure. Um, we also see that like there's some news reports of like a, a new thief who's on the prowl, so to speak. Um, and they actually blame Batman for this robbery. So like Selena's all pissed off. She's like, she's like, what? She they just think I'm Batman now. Like I need, I need some other, I need something else. I need something else for people to, to know that I'm not Batman basically. Um, so she's, she's kind of miffed at the fact, um, that he's, that he's getting credit for some of her actual like petty crimes. um, <clears throat> let's see um yeah so oh yeah then we got a scene where um selena comes in and she um and and batman sees this scene we've said we've kind of seen the scene in a couple different probably in the movie as well and I, I think we saw this maybe in um in the christopher nolan movie something similar to this where batman kind of sees um sees sees selena breaking in and she basically ends up she, she's robbing this guy the roman and she is going after her guys are coming after him and uh, as she's like finished uh, finishing up fighting these guys who she she kicks all their asses. She just goes and scratches this one guy's face. I think that's the Roman. Yeah. She scratches the Romans face. Um, so that's, that's her calling card. That's how, you know, that ca- that cat woman's been on the prowl and uh, not, not the Batman. Um, meanwhile, a uh, commissioner, the commissioner is setting up, um, Jim Gordon. We're now in November here. Um, and, um, and Jim Gordon is being set up to essentially be killed by the commissioner. He gets a call and, um, now he, while he's feeding the baby and they say he has to come out and, um, I'm not sure how, I think I think he might've had his phone tapped or something. I don't know, but this guy, as Gordon is leaving this guy in a motorcycle uh, we see is following him. And, um, and then his baby gets kidnapped actually by someone. So he, um, he basically realizes that once he realizes his baby, um, like he was just called away from that apartment so that they, these guys could kidnap this, their baby. And this mysterious, like dude in the motorcycle is, is following him. And this guy basically, basically helps the, um, tries to help Gordon. Help, and uh, you know, he basically does help her get, um, get, get, Barbara away from this guy but the kidnapper ends up fleeing with Gordon's baby um, and she's uh, Barbara Gordon she doesn't know really exactly how this you know it's a lot of chaos here so she's grabs a gun Gordon's gun and she points it at this mysterious figure who we never really see his face he but we, we know who this is now and she says Mr. Gordon Mrs. Gordon you have to trust me I won't let your boy die and he just runs off and she does not shoot him and then then this guy who is obviously Bruce Wayne at this point um, in like shitty makeup or something um, he just jumps on a, a regular bike and starts biking after after gordon who's on his motorcycle chasing the guy in the car who has his baby Um, and gordon ends up like shooting the car seems like a risky move when the guy's got your baby but you know it's a tense moments here Um, the guy crashes the car gordon gets out is like wrestling with this grappling with this guy who's coming at him with a knife while holding his freaking baby here and then um, they all like tumble over this uh over this bridge uh the guy and, and the baby and um as gordon is like is like fighting this guy the baby um falls over and we see the baby uh, flying as like as barbara goes and this and gordon is like trying to catch the baby as well and um and the baby falls into this guy's hands uh, who is of course Bruce Wayne. And we just see the scene where the guy is dead. The guy that was trying to kidnap the baby and uh, you know, commissioner Gordon has got, I keep calling him commissioner. Uh, Jim Gordon has uh, gotten his baby back. And this is where he says, that's right. Good boy. Settle down. You're safe. Um, and he, and now he's talking to uh to who's obviously Bruce Wayne. He says, you must be wearing some ar- armor under that jacket. And he says, yes. And he says, you know, I'm practically blind without my glasses. Sirens coming. You better go. So this is like, this is like the moment where, And it becomes so clear why they don't like Batman and Gordon don't just work together because it's convenient. Like Batman saved Jim Gordon's freaking baby and and wife and and literally caught his baby who was falling off a bridge. So like they don't, he doesn't just respect him because of what he's done in, in, you know, fighting crime, just because of what happened with him saving that old lady. Yeah, now it's it's absolutely personal, and I love this so much because it really just it really show it really makes their relationship in later comics and later canon make even more sense. You know how the level of trust they have for each other it's more than just strategic. It's more than just because they have the same objectives and the same goals and fighting crime. It's because he literally saved his baby, and so that, that just I think it brings so many future stories uh, together so well. Um, we then see that uh, Flass ends up testifying against the commissioner, um, who um, I think he doesn't end up going to jail. Like I think this they're saying i don't think dent has a chance of putting him behind bars but word is lobes conferring with uh the mayor on the terms of his resignation so um yeah so they basically they're forcing this commissioner to resign um they i don't think they say it here but this obviously implies you know this is what lays the the path like like because they already say some other commissioner is gonna replace this guy so commissioner gordon doesn't become commissioner right here but obviously the, the path has been has been laid open for him and uh as as we wind up here we just see commissioner gordon again this is really like a commissioner gordon story in, in many ways more so than a bruce wayne story um we see uh commissioner gordon is just like on the roof smoking his pipe uh, and he's sa- thinking to himself as for me, well, there is a real uh, well. First yeah, for saying Barbara's not crazy about the marriage counselor, but we're making progress, so you know they're they're working things out. And he says, as for me, well, there's a real panic on. Somebody's threatened to poison the Gotham reservoir. Calls himself the Joker. I've got a friend coming who might be able to help. Should be here any minute. So now we have solidified uh, this relationship between Batman and the Joker. Uh, Batman and the Joker. Batman and uh, Jim Gordon. And uh, that does it for Batman year one. And I will just say like that scene, this particular scene has been played out in like various different ways in, in many different formats, many different films. Um, And at the end of Christopher Nolan's um, at the end of Batman begins, commissioner George Gordon um, meets with Batman. And actually like, it's kind of similar, but they're meeting together and he's like, Oh, there's this guy, the Joker and he hands him like the Joker card. And of course that's what leads us to Heath Leather's Joker, Ledger's Joker and all that great stuff. Um, but that wraps it for Batman year one Remzo. let's have it. Let's hear it,
1: man! You do not have Batman without Batman Year One. I mean, this is not only uh, you know some great Frank Miller work, but it's just quintessential to the Batman canon. I'm giving the story a five out of five, and I'm giving the artwork a five out of five. I really can't think of anybody who could have done it um, like just like this. And I mean, we have uh, Todd McFarlane who will come in for Year Two, which is almost immediately after this, and then we've got uh, Jeff Loeb, and I think it was Tim Sales who come in for Batman. Um, the Long Halloween, and that was a limited series that came. out We should out do that one next time.
2: Halloween. I'm just gonna call it right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be cool. Um, you know, th- those those two. I mean, sorry, those all those three things kind of play around with each other, but like that way, you really get to see what I consider like the year one saga, which is year one, year two, and Long Halloween. Um, it's. The others are good. I like Long Halloween. I did not like Year 2, but Year 1 is, you, you can't, I mean, so many Batman stories are based off of this as the grounding. I mean, you can't have it otherwise. The artwork is fantastic. The story is fantastic. 10 out of 10
2: yeah so this one uh i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you on the writing i, I can't find a flaw in frank miller's writing here i, I just think it's is just so effective he's such an, a, a great writer he's a great writer when he's writing long narratives uh and he's a great writer when he's giving you one line or one panel that tells you a whole story that you didn't need to actually see play out to, to, to understand what happened and, and to get a feel for how it happened uh so i mean this is frank Mill- this is maybe it's not like considered some of his greatest work i mean it, it is but you know it's not necessarily one of the first ones that that comes up but it's great it, to Batman,
1: me, it, man it's- It's not the best Frank Miller
2: yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it is some of the best Batman and it is a fantastic story. So I also I'm going to give the writing a five on this. I'm not going to go quite as high on the art, but it is excellent. It does fit the story so well. But I'm actually applying something that you've talked about before. And I thought about this a little bit before the show. You know, you'll often say, like, can I picture another artist doing this? And this is actually one instance where honestly, if I could, I think I would put I would put in Frank Miller on this art. Like I actually and not because this is bad. This is great. But when I picture Frank Miller's art, like his art from um from dark knight returns like in this i actually feel like i i kind of like crave frank miller's rendition of this so that's the only reason i'm giving it a 4.5 it is a little bit of a quibble the art is, is excellent throughout there's just like you know a couple panels here and there where i'm like oh was that that cop the same cop that you know i'm not exactly sure they kind of look generic but this is a very minor quibble because the art truly is excellent but i i gotta say i there's a part of me that would really have liked to seen see frank miller's artistic rendition of the story
1: and, and you see, this is why I gave this a higher rating than some of the other Frank Miller books that, that we've done in the past. Because my my, my criticism to kind of, you know, tar- target your comment there, which I, I agree, I understand where you're coming from. I've never been happy when Miller has been in charge of both the writing and the art for his books. Hmm. I always feel like one thing takes away I think away you rated Ronan pretty other. highly. I, I rated Ronan pretty highly, but I didn't give Ronan a 10.
2: Yeah, well, no, that's true.
1: I think because Miller didn't have to worry about the art for this one. He let the dialogue and everything else really stand out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something to be said for that too. I'm sure he does approach a book. He's just writing much differently than one he's writing and drawing. Cause it's especially because when he's doing both. And,
1: and I, I apply that, uh, I apply that to everyone though. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the writer artist mindset that some people think they can get away with. I think there's something important about having a, a separate writer and a separate artist.
2: I will say I couldn't envision Savage Dragon any other way in that case. That's such a
1: weird, that's such a weird exception though. It
2: it is. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Typically I think you're right about that.
1: Yeah. Like he's the one off.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, well that does it. Uh, So that gives us a total of a 19.5 total SBC score. This is a very obvious must read. If you're a fan of comics, if you're a fan of good stories, if you're a fan of street level crime stories, um, if you're a fan of anything awesome, you've got to read this. Like this is is a quintessential comic book story. It's a quintessential pop culture story. Even if you just like Batman from movies or TV shows like this helps you understand Batman so much more, no matter where you're coming from, because it really is a lot of the foundation, you know, especially for the the modern renditions of Batman. So um, really cannot recommend this highly enough. I will say. It's on Hoopla, folks. Hoopla is freaking amazing. We do not get any revenue from mentioning them. I just bring it up because I've, I've, it's really helped me find and read so many comics that I might not have otherwise physically found or would have had to maybe buy on Comixology if I couldn't find physical copies. Um, it's just a really easy way. Almost any quintessential story is on Hoopla. All you need is a library card. I did mine online, so I didn't even have to go to a library. It's freaking worth it, and I wish I did make money pimping it, but I don't, but, uh, you know, if, if you're looking to read some of these books that we talk about, almost everything that we mention is is on Hoopla, so I, I recommend it highly. Yeah. Sponsored by Hoopla, for no money.
1: Well, Mark, I am... Uh... I'm happy we finally did this I think this is one of the first stories That you wanted to do When we started way yonder back I think we gotta wrap up the show Because I'm gonna go ahead and catch The first screening of Eternals tonight So this leads into something else If you love the show If you love everything we're doing If you wanna go ahead and hear My spoiler free review That will be coming up this Sunday Well past last Sunday Because of time and stuff like that So right now by the time you're listening to this I've got a spoiler free review of Eternals On Patreon You can catch that and all the bonus shows for as little as $5 a month.
2: Indeed. That's all I got. That's all I got, too. So with that being said, uh, I just want to implore you to continue along this journey with Remzo and I and to take some time out of your days, out of your weeks, to continue to read comics and change the world. change the world. Good night, America. Adios.